Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. We're in a series called Vision for Life. Surprise there. But um, my husband asked me if I would cover this, this topic. It's, it's a really fun topic. It's a very broad topic. But I kept having to rein myself back in because I have notes, and I have notes, and I have notes. I'm going to stick to my notes because why have notes if you don't even use them? So I'm going to use my notes to stay on track. But my topic is vision for family slash marriage. So we're going to really focus on singleness and marriage today. And because without that, you don't really have a family because that's the way God started things. He started us all as a single person, as an individual, and then we marry, and then family comes from there. And you know what? Through this journey of life, we find ourselves in different seasons and different situations. And so you're going to locate yourself today. I want the Holy Spirit to just speak through me. We're going to open up with prayer here in just a minute. And we're going to, you're going to hear things by the Spirit that I may not even say. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so I'm excited to hear what God has to say today. So let's go to prayer because you know what? We need it. I need it. You need it. The hearer needs it. So Father, we thank you so much for today. God, as we open up your word and as we expound upon it, God, I thank you that you have placed some some truths in me that you want me to deliver. Help me to say much with few words. Lord, I want you to speak through me today. Thank you for your anointing. And Lord, help us to just be so fun, so enjoyable today that we leave not just with knowledge and resources, but with application in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. And that's another thing the Holy Spirit said this morning. He goes, it's not a lack of of resources. There are so many resources out there. Books on marriage, books on family, how to raise your children, how to go here, how to to do this. It's not a lack of, of resources, but the Holy Spirit said it's a lack of application of that knowledge. How many times do we talk to people and we tell, we give them the answer and they're like, I know, I know what to do but I just don't want to do it. Let's talk about diet for 30 seconds. You know, we all know what to do or what not to do, but it's just easier sometimes to just do what we want to do. I've traveled a few few places, and you know what I've learned? People are people all over the world. They're not any different in America than they are in, in Israel. People are people. And you want to shake them sometimes. And God wants to shake me sometimes and say, don't be so much of a person. (laughs) Be more like me. We're made in his image. And I'm jumping ahead of myself. But I want you to just, just, just encourage you, don't just get information today. It'll be fun. It'll be, there'll be little nuggets here and there that you'll be like, I want to remember that. But leave with application that you're doing something about the word of God. All right? We were created for a community. Zach talked about that. Phil talked about that. We're all created for a community. I've heard it said that we're here in Rose. Thank you for setting up the Rose. It makes it nice. Think of Rose. If you're a school teacher and your class is just all over the place, it's kind of harder to teach that way. But if you put the students in Rose, you can get eye contact. You get a little bit more more control of the classroom, right? So we're here in rows, and that's good, but equally important, we need circles. 
We need circles in our lives. That creates more of the face-to-face. Because when you're in rows, you're all looking one direction. But when you're in a circle, that's accountability. And that's connection. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be side-by-side working in the kingdom of God, yes, and working in our family, make the family work. But he also wants us face-to-face. And we, we have here, you heard the announcement up there about the men's V group. I've heard them call it, refer to themselves as the band of brothers. That's, a, that's, that's a, a connection group. That's an accountability group. Yesterday, we had our sister's tea, sister to sister. We just get together. We gather. Nothing highfalutin. Just let's get together and chat. It was so much fun. And so that's the connection face to face. And so that's where the circle comes in. We're talking about families. Hold, hold steady here. You may be thinking, but you don't know my family. If you only knew my family... Well, you know what? God knows your family. In the words of the comedian George Burns, remember George Burns? He says, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) That's his family, right? Barbara Bush, love First Lady Miss Barbara Bush. When all the dust settles and all the crowds are gone, the things that matter are faith, family, and friends. That's what's important in life. Mother Teresa, you want to know how to have world peace? Go home and love your family. We can all do that, but you're like, you don't know my family. Princess Diana, we know her as the people's princess. She said, family is the most important thing in the world. Now, my dad had every excuse of why he couldn't live for God or it was too hard because his family was totally against him. When he became a Christian, he lost his family. His mom and dad, his brother, his three sisters, he was the oldest, and they kicked him out. Well, they said, God or us, his parents, and he said, it's got to be God. But he honored them. He honored them. See, when you become an adult, the obey your parents turns into the honor your parents. So he always honored them, and he, he never talked ill of his family. And they always called him when they, when they had a death or needed a, another marriage because they didn't know a pastor. They didn't know anybody who could, who could help them through those life transitions. But my father always honored them. But you know who, who, who became their family? The church. The church became his family, became his circle, became his accountability. And so church family can be almost stronger than our natural family. Oh, but you don't know my church family. Well, you know what? Dysfunction is basically when you get more than one person in a family. Because we all have our own ideas. We all have our own thoughts. And, you know, in marriage, I didn't marry myself. So, you know, I've got to get into his mind and get, figure out what he's thinking and because it's two people coming together. So I love to tell grandparents who have many children because families, families grow. Who's, who is a grandparent here today? Lots of kids, lots of kids running around. And they're like, oh, look at all these kids. And I'll tell them, well, it's all your fault. You started it. Started with one person, right? Started with two and it grew. That's the way God builds families. And it's a lot of fun. And then you get to say goodbye, and the grandkids get to go back home, you know? I heard that that's the best part. Um, So grandkids are great. 
There was a wise minister who this young couple went to. They were, they were married a few years, and they were thinking about starting a family, but the, the husband was getting cold feet, and he was like, I don't know. I don't know about this. You know, family, that's a whole big deal, kids and everything. So he asked the pastor, he goes, what do you think about us, you know, starting a family and having kids? And the wise pastor looked at him and he said, well, just ask yourself, are you worth duplicating? And it really made him think, but it makes you think, are you worth duplicating? So we're always on a journey of fixing and working and, 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 and building ourselves, right? So let's start here with singleness. It all started with one man, a bachelor. Think about that. Bachelors are lucky because he can make a mistake and never know it. No one's around there to point it out. Singleness. God sees each and every person as a single person. Now, I'm a married woman, very proud of it. I'm, the bigger jewelry, the better. I've got big hands, big fingers. Give me big, big jewelry. I'm very married. But I'm still an individual in God's sight. I'm still single-minded in God's sight. Now, I'm married-minded, don't get me wrong. I'm going to go there here in a minute. But he sees each and every person. He doesn't look at me and say, well, because you're married, you don't have to do this. No, 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 no. What has God called me to do? And thankfully, in my marriage, it coincides with what God's called us to do. And we'll get into that later. But as an individual, that's what we're talking about right now. God started with a single person. Although Adam was only one person, he was a whole person. God doesn't make broken people. He doesn't make half people needing to get married. He makes a whole person. If you're here today and you're, oh, but I just need a soulmate. God is your soulmate. Marriage will not complete you. God wants to be that num your number one. Who's got your Bible today? Turn to Genesis chapter 1. We love our Bibles around here at Vision Church. Make some noise. Opening up the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1, just two verses, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on them. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. This tells us precisely why the enemy is against and tearing down the image of male and female. It's not confusing. It's as simple as a male and a female. And there's no confusing it. But the enemy is so angry because when you look in the mirror, you see the image of, when I look in the mirror, I see the image of Nicole. It's pretty simple. If I see the image of Spencer, that'd be pretty weird. But when Spencer looks in the mirror, he sees this, an image of Spencer, right? So we were created in the image of God. Now, that's in the natural. Now let's talk about the spiritual we were made in the image of God. So when people see us, they see God, if we've been recreated. And the enemy, when he sees us, he sees God. 
until we open up our big mouth. Then do we sound like God? That's where the armor comes in. We put the armor on, and if we don't say anything except God's words, the enemy can't tell the difference. And he's defeated. He has no, he has no weapon against the word of God. I was reading this. Have you ever heard that, we're, that boy, that, that boy's a spitting image of his daddy? Have you ever heard that? Come on, we're in Arkansas. I'm sure we've, we've heard that and, and, and a little worse. But spitting image. I read this yesterday because I thought, where'd that come from? You know, we say it, a spitting image, but that's, where's it come from? The Moorish Dictionary of Words and Phrases cite one authority who thinks that the spit in this context comes from the Anglo-Saxon spitten, meaning to eject from the mouth. And that the phrase means speaking likeness. Now, I dwelt on that just for a minute, and I had Zach, I said, put it down, because when you look at it, speaking likeness, my jaw kind of dropped on that when I was studying, because I was like, we are supposed to be speaking like God. We're supposed to be the spitting image of God. We are created male and female just like God. I want to be a spitting image of God. I want to be a speaking likeness of God. Thank you, Zach. So getting back to his creation, his name was Adam. Adam was not codependent, controlled by another person. Nor was he independent, which means he wasn't self-governing. I can do this by myself. Well, how's that working out for you? If you can do your dream all by yourself, it's not that you're superwoman or superman. It's that your dream just is not big enough. Because God wants to affect the world through you, and it takes more than just you to make it happen. But he can deposit his, his goal, his giftings, his vision, vision into us, but it takes connections to make that happen. Amen? God wants us interdependent, mutually dependent. We need people, connections. People will never complete us because we are in a fallen state. So our example is God. Our example is Jesus who came to earth as our example. Now Jesus himself had connections. Jesus had 12, and within that 12, he had three, Peter, James, John, and then he had Father God. So he had the 12. Who's your 12? And then break it down. Who's your three? We need these connections in our lives. Remember application? We need to do something about it. We need these things in our life. We need people in our lives. So getting back to here, that they will rule, that's authority. God gave them authority. And let me just point out in our singleness of this portion, God gave Adam a job before he gave Adam a wife. So I know we've heard that before, but it bears repeating. So guys, remember that? Preach, preach, right? All right. God gave Adam authority. Look back in um, the 26th verse. It says, they will rule. That doesn't mean they just did nothing and said, okay, God, would do. no, they will rule. And then a second verse on that is Psalms 115, verse 16. You can just read it on the screen. Psalms 115, verse 16. 
I've got it flagged here. The heaven are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the human race. Now, does that mean God's not in control? That means that we can put God in charge of our situation. But who has he given the earth to? Hello? He's given it to us. So we've got, we've got a work to do. We've got a job to do. We have authority on this earth. We have authority in the spirit, using the word of God. We have authority in, in this world, in the natural, doing a good job, listening to his voice, doing what, what we need to do. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verses 15. Now let's get into, we're, we're getting closer to marriage here. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Then jump down to verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as his complement. Verse 20. The man gave names, here's his job, the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found as his complement. So God, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept. Ladies, let the man sleep. Good things happen when the man sleeps, right? Verse 22, then the Lord God made the, took, uh, made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. So God brought her to the man. How many times are us girls chasing for a mate? or chasing a man, or I see girls all the time calling the guys, come on, girls, stop chasing the guys. I just got a book. One of my favorite things to do is one of, not the favorite, but one of the things I like to do is in thrift stores, I like to look at the books. Well, I came home with a brand new book the other day, and I gave it to Becca, and the title was The Chase, and it was a, um, a relationship book about a, 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 young, a young couple in ministry and just their story. But you remember the chase, right? You got to have that chase. But God presented Eve to Adam. So in God's, uh, the way God does things, God presents, then the man pursues. So there's a pursuing going on, but guys, stop letting those girls chase you. That's the wrong order. You are the one chasing and pursuing because it's not good that you should live alone. It never says, women, it's not good that you shouldn't live alone. But the guys need us, okay? So come on, get with the program. So be comfortable in your singleness. The single season is precious. Allow this time for God to shape you into the mature person God wants you to be, making you the right person. Oh, there's a, there's a little topic right there. Are you looking for Mr. and Mrs. Right? There's no, I'm going to say this out loud, there's no one right person. Did I say that out loud? You can become the right person. There's no one right all the time. In a marriage, there's, I'm not right all the time. He's not right all the time. But you know what? We can strive, we can work to do right, to be right, to get right. I love when we listen to Jim Stovall in our small group, and he said, just do the right thing next and the next thing right. Right? 
And that's a great way to live. Then you can be that right person for your mate. Are you looking for Prince Charming? Well, ask yourself, are you a princess? Because that's who he's looking for. Prince Charming's going to be marrying a princess, right? So be that princess that Prince Charming will see. Hey, guys, here's a little nugget for you. Choose your wife rather by your ear than by your eye. She may look good, but you know what? All this will wash down the sink at the end of the day. But what, what's coming out of her heart? Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you will learn about the woman, the man, who, whoever you're getting to, to know by listening to them. Listening to them. God puts two whole people together to make a family. It takes 100% from each partner to be successful, not 50-50. Because what if one day you, you can't even give a full 50? Then you're, you're in a deficit. But when you've got 100, 100, you're covering each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. So you're giving more, and so it balances it out. But I read this, it was cute. Marriage would work out better if the couple operated on a thrifty, thrifty basis, but not on a 50-50 basis. It needs to be 100%, 100%. 2nd Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, talks about being unequally yoked. This is a pretty familiar portion of Scripture to those of you who have grown up in church. But we can read it. Chapter 6, verse 14. Turn a page here. I'm in the wrong, I'm in the first Corinthians, sorry. All right, it talks about be not unequally yoked together. What, does, what good does light have with darkness? It's that verse, right? It's up on the screen. Right, what, what fellowship has light with darkness? Well, we've always talked that with a, a believer and an unbeliever. But that goes beyond, it can go even beyond a believer and unbeliever. You could have two believing Christians have different beliefs about healing about the Holy Spirit and His workings and power in your life, about raising children, about tithing. And you may think, well, but we're both Christians. Yeah, but you're unbelieving in, in certain areas. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to venture to say, I'm going to say it, not may cause a challenge, it will cause a challenge. So you need to get on the same page face-to-face and know where you're going You don't want to be unequally yoked. Girls here, and this is for guys too, but never yoke to someone who refuses to be yoked to Christ. That's one thing I fell in love with my husband. I knew his heart was total Godward. And I wanted someone who loved God more as much or more than I did. Because when you're Godward, he will reveal, he will teach, he will try, and you're growing together up. Okay, you're two, two individuals, right? But as you're growing, you're growing closer and closer to God, which means you're closer and closer to each other. So we went to Bible school together, which I thought that was very important. But every marriage starts with a date. So if you're saying yes to a date, you could be saying yes to marriage. So take your time. Time is your friend, single people. Is that good? Is that good? All right, so now we're moving into marriage. Our vision for your marriage is to not just survive. Oh, we're going to make it another year. 
No, but to thrive and say 27 years and going on forever. It's awesome. It can get better. Marriage can get better. Every person here is affected by marriage. You either have married people in your life, or you want to be married, or you've got examples. My parents, I love my parents. They've got, they've got, they're a great example of what to do and what not to do. And so you learn by others' examples, and you glean. You're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. That's really good. I'm, yeah, I'm probably not going to do it that way. You saw how it worked for them, so you're not going to do the same thing in your marriage. So that's how that works. That's why we need connections. We need people in our lives. God's definition of marriage that I heard my father say over and over again is one man with one woman for one lifetime. That's my dad's, and that's, that's God's. That's my definition of marriage. Well, my father, about seven, eight years ago, became a widower, and he had a difficult time with, what do I do? Because you know what? I was thinking about this this morning. In his mind, he's still married. He, he didn't change. His spouse changed, but he was still married. Well, he, after about a year, he um, was talking to a, a, a pastor friend of his who was also a widower, but remarried. And he said, Bob, he said, you have to realize that on this earth, you are married for time, but not eternity. And that just really helped my dad. And so he was able to slip off his ring and be okay with that, even though I doubt he'll ever remarry, but he's got some prospects that are chasing him. I need to talk to those women. (laughs) Good companionship. He's got some good friends around him. But just be thinking about that because, yes, we've got some, some wonderful people in our, in our church congregation, our church family, that are, that are widows. And, and, and you have so much wisdom. You honored your husbands. You showed us how to honor, how to stand by. You fulfilled your vow. Remember the vow? It was 50, 53 years, 54, 54 years of vows, 30, how many years? 33 years of vows that you kept, and that's to be honored. And we thank you for that, being that example for us. You ran, you, you ran your marriage race. Now, that doesn't say that you, you, may not, you may marry again. Who knows? Whatever God has for you, be open for that. So we've got married people. We've got widowed people in the house. We've got divorced people. Maybe you're divorced, and you're thinking, oh, Man, something went wrong. It can just be real simple. Just break it down. Just just be like, God, uh, something went wrong. You need to regroup, reconstruct, retool. God told me years ago I was going through something in my life, and he said, retool, like a tool. He said, retool. And I knew what that meant. And what that means is we had a friend who worked at the GE plant in Louisville, Kentucky. He was a mechanical engineer, extremely smart man. And he was over supervisor. He was over all the working mechanics of GE. So whenever a big washer, dryer, or refrigerator, or whatever the product was that came off the line, he was the one making all these tools do it. Well, whenever they would want to do a new product or a new improved product or a more efficient product, they had to retool the plant. 
And so when God told me to retool, I thought, he wants me to get better, new, improved, more efficient. And so I retooled, and, and so that was a word that just really stuck with me. So no matter what you're walking through, even if it's a divorce, and you've got shattered pieces all around you, leave it in the past, reconstruct, retool, because you can't change, you can't make another person do right. But you can make you do right. So work on you. It's about you. And here's another thing. Let me ask you a thought-provoking question. Is Jesus, Jesus, God's plan B? No. But wait a minute, wait a minute. He's the second Adam. What happened to the first Adam? Plan A. Can you ever say Jesus was a plan B? No. So that's a good word for you. God only has plan A's. So no matter what your life looked like, plan A is right in front of you, baby. Your best days are right in front of you. You're moving into what God has for you. So continue to retool, continue to work on yourself, and get better, better, better. Craig Rochelle, in his book, From This Day Forward, he's talking about, the topic is marriage, and he's talking about face-to-face time with with your spouse. So important to have that face-to-face time. That's communication, accountability, talking, um, talking vision, just talking, oh, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. I'm going to move move over here. Um, Too much face-to-face. But, you know, just looking at each other's eyes and communicating. That's what face-to-face time means. Then there's a side-by-side time. That's the working together. That's the playing together. Making sure that you have something in common to do together that you're doing through life. That's that side-by-side time. And then that leads to belly button to belly button time. And that means, oh, I think you got the picture on that one, right? So you've got face-to-face time, side-by-side time. Don't forget the belly button to belly button time. Come on. Pastor Paul Darty in Tulsa, he says about marriage, keep it hot. Keep it hot. Honest, open, and transparent. Keep it hot. So if you're thinking, wait a minute, what's going on with my spouse right now? And if it's not around a celebration that you're trying to surprise them with, there should be always open and honest and transparent communication, right? In the society that we live in, people are talking so much about, and they're confusing gender, and we've got the LGBT agenda. I'm going to address it right now. I was just not doing anything the other day. This happened this week, and the the Lord just said, they medicate to placate. Well, that's easy to remember. (laughs) I like rhymes. They medicate to placate. And so I went to my trusty dictionary. I Googled it, and what, I kind of figured out what it meant in my mind, but I wanted to really find out the words. To placate means to soothe or mollify, especially by concessions, prescriptions. Mollify means to soothe or temper in disposition, to appease or soften. Why am I bringing this up in the middle of marriage? Hello? We read in Genesis 1.26, and God made male and female, one man for one woman for one lifetime. He didn't make us women to marry women and men to marry men. Where do you see that in nature? Just even setting the Bible aside. Go to nature, natural law. You will never see that. Okay? So is it a biblical issue? Sure. Is it a natural issue? Sure. So you can talk to anyone about it, but you don't even have to bring the Bible into it. 
but you, you better believe I, I'm going to. But my point is, it's not natural. But here's what they say. Lesbians can be a good mom. A gay man can be a great dad. And I'm not attacking their, their, them as a person, but their mindset is wrong. Parenting is not the issue. The issue is mothering and fathering. Thank God for the dads. Thank God for the fathers who not only gave us life, but taught us how to live. So important. Uh, parenting, fathering and mothering. Here's some statistics about fatherless homes, which will not surprise us. It's so sad, though. 63% of suicides are from fatherless homes. That's 20%, 20 times the average. 71% of high school dropouts are from, from fatherless homes. That's nine times the average. Get this one. 85% of youth in prison are from fatherless homes. That's 29 times the average. There was a, a greeting card company that, that decided to, around Mother's Day was coming up, they were like, let's just donate a bunch of Mother's Day cards to the inmates and just make them for free, see who wants a Mother's Day card. Every single prisoner wanted a Mother's Day card. They wrote to their mothers and just thanked them for being a good mom and how much they loved them. Well, it was such a success, the business, uh, the, the, the greeting card company said, let's do it again for Father's Day. They did the exact same thing, went to the same prison, said, if we've got all these Father's Day cards, who wants a Father's Day card for their dad? Not one prisoner asked for a Father's Day card. Dads, you are so important. So important. And you know, even if your kids are grown and you see kids around, be that surrogate daddy. Be that father that those kids may or may not have. Maybe they're, they're military family and their dad's deployed. And or women, maybe their mom's deployed. But we need to step in into our society. We need to get dirty. We need to get messy and get loving and get into our society and say, hey, 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 we can work this out. God's got a plan. God's got an answer. And here's a little, little caveat for fathers. So thankful for dads or else, because we probably wouldn't be here, because chances are your mom wasn't in the mood. So dads, thank you so much, right? I heard that. I thought it was so funny. So funny. And yes, that was recorded. Sorry about that. All right. Studies show that children from in, for, that come from intact heterosexual married parents do better in school, they're more well-adjusted, they develop relationships, they have higher scores in school, they can commit and follow through. So it makes sense. You can see it all through history. But here's something sad. 70% of divorce is initiated by women. Now, I know the big three A's, abandonment, adultery, and abuse. But you know what? Even in that adultery time, you have a choice. You can forgive, but if the scoundrel doesn't change, then move on. But you have those three options. But think about this. Some of these divorces are, well... He just doesn't love me anymore. I don't love him. I don't feel the passion. I don't feel like I love him anymore. And it's all feelings. He could be a great guy. But he's low on the emotion scale. But think about who it will affect. 
those children that we just talked about, if you end up getting a divorce just because he's possibly an absent lover, just because he's not compassionate or, or passionate towards you anymore. A happy wife sometimes makes the best, has the best husband, but more than often makes the best of the husband she has. We can build our husbands up. We can encourage them. We can uh, just, just love them and just support them. And that's making the best of the husband that you have. And the guy's same way. Husbands, you make the best of your wife. So many times I say happy life, happy wife. I don't get into all that. If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. That's, that's a cop out. I don't live by that at all. But we both have a responsibility in the marriage. Happiness, he can't make, my husband can't make me happy. Happiness is a choice on my part. Marriage was not designed to make you happy. Marriage was designed to make you holy. So it's a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. And agreement, agreement. Um, if, uh, Paul talks about marriage in, in Ephesians chapter 5. Talks about it's a great mystery. Trying to figure it out. But he's talking about the church's relationship with God. We are the bride of Christ. Agreement. Two people have to be in agreement. Two individuals, right? They simply come into agreement and say, yeah, this is God's will for our life. Let's get married. But you know what? And well, let, let, let me. So they come together. They enter into agreement. They get married. And God's with them. Because with two or more agree, what does the Bible say? God says, there I am in their midst. Well, do you know that his mercy, his love, his grace, his anointing, reigns on the just and the unjust. So you could be two sinners or unbelievers, you know, people without God, but if you come into agreement to get married and you're married, God still comes into that marriage because it was agreement on this earth. And if any two or more agree, there he is in their midst. Now, is God active in that marriage? He's kind of dormant because they're not acknowledging the God in their marriage because they're not acknowledging the God in their life. But when you have two Christians who come together and get married, they acknowledge God. They're saying, God, help me. Help me with this man. Help me with this woman. Help me in this marriage. So they're acknowledging God. And so he, he's free to, to, to do what he can do in our life. So we need to get with the plan and work on ourselves. But it could be painful. It could be very painful. But you know what? Pain causes us to pray. It causes us to pray and to get a kingdom answer. Anytime we have a spiritual dysfunction, I heard um, Bill Johnson say this, and I'm just going to read his quotes because they're so good. Anytime we have a spiritual dysfunction and we give it a virtuous name, we give it permission to stay and increase. I've always said it short version like this. What we tolerate, we celebrate. Sometimes you got to get with it and kick it to the curb, have no more tolerance for it at all. But so many times we placate and we're like, well, it's not, I have a condition. It's just a condition. Or it's my personality. That's just who I am. Or, well, I've been diagnosed with XYZ. 
And then we just, we coddle it and we hold on to it. But God will put us in situations to expose us what is in our thinking, what's in our behavior that God has nothing to do with and God wants it gone. It's kind of like when a rock gets put in a rock tumbler. Remember the rock tumblers years ago? And you would put all these rocks in there and they would tumble. And what, what was happening? They weren't, the rocks weren't going, oh, excuse me. Oh, don't touch me. Oh, well, I've got a situation here. No, those rocks are hitting each other. They're banging all the rough edges off. And when they came out, they were smooth and shiny, right? That's, God puts people in our lives. I'm not saying your spouse, but God could be saying your spouse might be that person. If you allow God to work in your spouse, it's going to knock some of those edges off of us that we need, that need not be there. God knows who to put together that they can come out shining and bright for Him. That's where iron sharpens iron, knocks, knocks the, the bad stuff off, right? So remember this, Pastor Paul Darty also said this, it's so good. We were talking about face-to-face time in marriage. You need to have communication before there's an incarceration. Before there's the blow up and the I'm out of here and the... My dad used to laugh and say, we've been married for 50 years and she never, we never, never, never talked about divorce. She mentioned murder a few times, but never divorce. But praise God, they stuck it out. They were married. He fulfilled his vow. Speaking of vows, God said, it's a choice. A vow is a choice. This ring on my finger is a choice. Being married, think about it. I got married with words. I got married by choice. And it was a choice that I've I've never regretted. Do I always feel married? No. Do you always feel like you're a Christian and doing the right thing? No. Does that change anything? No. I am still married. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.